Now, um, in five, four, three, two, one, go. Hello, and you're welcome to episode two of the John Rogers podcast. Um, I am leaning towards publishing last week's episode. And this week's as well. Though I have um, some reservations that I mentioned last week, uh, these reservations continue or uh, remain, I should say. So I don't know why. I've got a vague idea why, a vague understanding why I want to do a podcast. So, like I said last week, I figure stuff out, I figure things out by speaking them out loud. Um, where am I going to put this phone now? It's such a mess out here. Uh, I'll leave it there. So yeah, I figure things out as I as I... As I said, I'm out loud. So I'm figuring out what this podcast is by doing the podcast. And again, I haven't... I published an extract from last week's one. It's sort of a trailer. I have I have the podcast up on Spotify and elsewhere. haven't been able to get it onto Apple Podcasts yet. Uh, but I seem not to be alone in doing that. And by the way, I'm using Acast for now because it, it's unlimited and it's free. But I imagine that that will mean that if I do publish, you are going to be stuck listening to ads at the start. You can all skip through them, but um, there's no such thing as a free lunch, as they say. Um, if this takes off and works out to be something that's, you know, that a lot of people want to listen to every week, which seems mad to think at the moment that that would ever be the case, um, then I will um, start paying for the podcast hosting and that will get rid of the ads. But for now, as much as I hate ads, ads, we'll have to just put up with them. Um, so that's what I'm doing. I'm figuring out what the podcast is by, um, by doing it. But the reservations really are, apart from... The obvious big one of who in, the, who in the right mind would ever want to listen to this, you know, meandering, uh, stream of consciousness almost. Um, damn it, I hate when I drop stuff. Um, the other thing is how much of my private life am I comfortable sharing um, I've shared things about my private life in public settings in the past you know and it felt right at the time to do it um, but then later I felt a sort of a hangover uh, and a reaction to the sharing of private stuff and I felt kind of um overexposed and I felt stupid and uncomfortable and I didn't like that feeling so I'm careful at least I tried to be more careful in uh, what I share but my friend Michal who advised me to just Basically, do what I'm doing right now. Figure out the podcast by starting the podcast and learn it, figure it out as I go along. Would say that this, I would imagine he would say that this, not to tie myself up in knots on what to share and what not to share. Just say it out loud, record it. And I can decide later whether or not to, uh, to publish. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, let me see. Okay, that's that done. Very good. And we're low on 
washing up, or not washing up, laundry detergent. Uh, that's all right. I'll get some tomorrow. Never know for now. Mm, that sandalwood in that e cover, it does smell. I like how it smells. It's expensive, that stuff. Holy moly. But, yeah. Okay, now, just bear with me a minute, folks. Let me see. Delicates. 30 degrees. And hit start. Key lock, just in case. The youngest lad, the, the agent of destruction, gets out here and starts messing with it. Is that running? Yes. Okay. Now, where was I? Where did I put the dog lead? Huh. I'm having one of these days. We didn't get a lot of sleep last night. Our kids aren't sleeping very well. And now I can't remember where I left the feckin' lead for the dog, so I'll just take the one out of the boot of the car. Ready to go now, Bonnie. So here's an example of something I don't know if it's right or wrong to share this. Apologies again if, for the wind. I'm going to... Uh, I have another mic I have in mind. I'm, I'm using my iPhone again today for this one. But I have another mic um, I have in mind... I just don't have batteries for it at the moment. And it's got a little, uh, I don't know what you call it, sort of like a wind guard. It's a, anyway. So I had a bit of a setback. That's really making me question how I do things and so on. Um, so this kind of stop happened this started before lockdown and I, I want to start at the beginning to kind of give an idea of the problem uh, as I see it so I've been working for a few years now at this stage with uh, Sarah O'Toole the mighty Sarah O'Toole Galway woman theatre maker and so on now Sarah had I don't know if it's still up and running but she had the Galway Actors Workshop which was this amazing uh, school that she put together herself from scratch um, that uh, gave uh, classes and workshops to adults who wanted to do, you know, a night class, a season of night classes and learning how to act for stage and screen. And what was really remarkable about what Sarah set up was that um, she, she, she created such a, an amazing, um, uh, I don't want to say business, I'm hesitant to say business, but yeah. Okay, she set up such a cool business, such a successful business, that it, well, she was employing other theatre people, like myself, to come in and give classes. And it was brilliant. And it was a great way to earn a bit of money on the side doing something I love. And I, I really enjoyed them. And I would come home absolutely buzzing after a session with, the, uh, with these adults from all walks of life who were taking acting classes for different reasons. Some of them had always wanted to try try it out. Others were were doing it because they were new to the country and they wanted to to um, improve their English. Other people were doing it because they, uh, they wanted to improve their communication skills at work. And other people were doing it because they wanted to gain confidence in, in, in their life and it was it was a joy uh, to um, to work on and I'm forever grateful to Sarah because it really helped 
pay the bills. It literally, I, 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 I'll digress for a moment. I remember something Stephen King once said about um, he answered the question uh, when do you know you're a writer? So when can you when can you actually legit, legitimately call yourself a writer? And his answer was excellent because it had absolutely nothing to do with the quality of the work. He said if you write something and you finish it and somebody pays you to pub- publish it and you use the check to pay the electricity bill then you're a writer. So this work that Sarah gave me to do literally paid the bills. Um on a number of occasions, the electricity bill was paid uh, because of the work I was doing at the Galway Actors Workshop. And I'll be forever grateful. And I mourn its passing. And um, But maybe I'll have Z- uh, not Zita, <laughs> uh, Sarah on, uh, on this pod and we talk about it sometime. Because... It passed, I think, because inev- it, 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 it passed because I think it took over almost all of Sarah's professional time. And so this thing that she probably designed to help her make some income, you know, in a theater-adjacent way, actually stopped her from making the theater art that she really wanted to make as an actor and a writer oh, I, I'm, I'm I apologize here if you're listening to this and I got that wrong but that's what it felt like and that is something I I see happen in the arts and to artists a lot and it's because we make such pitiful income making art in Ireland that uh, we have to hustle and there's a lot of good about hustle it keeps you sharp Um, but it also uses energy and uses up time and and that means you've got a little bit less energy and a little bit less time for your actual art, um, it's it's a tough one. I'm I, I'm just thinking right now of something that Roshin Stack said. And Roshin, I'm probably going to talk more about Roshin later on in this pod today. When we were setting up, when she was setting up Theater Fifty Seven, I'll talk about Theater Fifty Seven another time. She said, Theater Fifty Seven, by the way, was this. Um, organization uh, a, 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 a a club I suppose of theatre makers, Galway based theatre makers a, that would act almost as a union as a, as a, as a, a an organization that would um, that would uh, advocate on behalf of theatre makers in Galway. Anyway she said a great thing in the launch of it she said in Ireland we all we often talk about the value of the arts. And you do hear that talked about a lot by Irish politicians, for instance. So in Ireland, we often hear our leaders talk about the value of the arts, but we never hear them talk about the value of the artist. And and so you're left with um, setting up things like Galway Actors Workshop and eventually... You kind of get burned out. But anyway, back to why what happened on Friday. Something happened on Friday. And in order to be able to explain it, I got to start back at working with Galway Actors Workshop. Okay, sit. This road is crazy. And there's a, a car coming in. 
Hello. Huh? Sorry. Funny. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a dog. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, yeah. Well, we have one growing up, so that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Have a great day. That's a neighbor. I'll. I'll edit that out though. Anyway, it's just talking to a neighbor there. Um, and today, on this beautiful November evening, what time is it now? It's uh, it's twenty past five. Uh, sorry, twenty past three, and the sun is low on the horizon already. And we're not walking the loop today, Bonnie and I. We might walk a bit of it, but first we're coming down to the Turlock, near where we live. I mean, just down the end of the road from where we live, is the largest. Turlock in Western Europe uh, and this is a special place and this is the other reason why I'm doing the podcast is to force me to come out and walk the dog and get out of the house and get out of my study and um, remember why we decided to move out here move out of the city in the first place Now, the water isn't as high as I've seen it in other winters, which says that we haven't had as much rain of late. I have to get away from that road. That's the only problem with this here is the, the road that runs along it is busy and loud. Our dog is a water dog and she's straight in. She's... She's a mix of collie and spaniel and God knows what else. So, back to Galway Actors Workshop. Um, Sarah came to me and she said, "I would you be interested in teaching a course this time uh, with a group of about, I think it was eight adults and it would culminate in a uh, public performance in the studio in the town hall uh, I said yes I'd only done a little bit of this in the past but I said yes and I said yes because it was good money but also I hadn't directed a group of people in a long time and I was looking forward to doing it again so the next thing Sarah and I had to decide was, well, what play will we do? So Sarah said that what she had done in the past was she picked a play, a classic, and then um, uh, abridged it, like wrote an adaptation, an abridged adaptation of it. Um, so the whole thing could be done in about maybe an hour, but also to change the script in order to fit the cast at your disposal, which is a really interesting thing because in a traditional way of doing theatre, you pick the script and then you cast the script accordingly. But um, in a way, we were picking the script to fit the cast. And I'd like to see more theatre done that way. But anyway, that's that's another conversation. We'll go the other way, actually, see if we can get away from the road. Come on, puppy. So, uh, so we picked Rhinoceros by UNESCO. Sarah wasn't uh, that familiar with the play. Um, I knew it. I had never read it because I'd always wanted to see it before I read it. And I missed it when... Um, uh, the Blue Raincoats in Sligo did it a few years ago. But I'd seen other UNESCO and I'd worked in other UNESCO uh, pieces myself in the past, especially when I was uh, cutting my teeth in theatre and learning my trade in the Dramstock in IT Sligo under Caleri and Drahan. Uh But I thought Rhinoceros would be a good fit 
and interesting uh, because of what it deals with. So, to cut a long story short, um, Rhinoceros is a play set in a small town. Uh, it was released in the 50s. It, was, it, it had its premiere in the 50s, I think it was, by a Romanian-French writer, Ionesco. And it's set in a small uh, French town and almost like it's theater of the absurd by the way which uh, gets a bad rap get into that another time i think sometimes uh the reason why it's um not always received in the english-speaking word world as 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 well as it should i think the problem sometimes is due to the translation so we're often working with English translations of theatre that for instance is invariably uh, originally written in French as is the case of Rhinoceros but in this theatre the absurd in this small town in France one by one almost like a comic horror film comic horror play I should say they denizens of the town start to turn into rhinoceroses by the way i've never found out the plural of rhinoceros and just saying that there reminded me what's the plural for for rhinoceros that that line that gag just saying that out loud makes me sad and i'll explain why if i can just get to the end of this story so one by one these people the people in the town are turning into rhinoceroses and by the end of the play there's um there's just one human left the only human that hasn't turned and the point of the play was that unesco wrote it because he wanted to uh convey his experience working in a university in Romania in the run-up to the Second World War and the rise of fascism, the rise of the uh, radical right. And one by one, his friends and colleagues in the university started to turn into fascists. And it started off with the, um, I, with the attitude of these fascists are disgraceful, they're a threat to civilization. Uh, they're also kind of stupid and we should laugh at them. And the next week it might be something like, uh, I can't stand these fascists. However, the thing they had to say about X, that I have to admit that, that they might have a point there. And then the next week, um, you know, I'm starting to... I'm starting to. I don't. I don't like fascists, but but the the leader of the fascists in Romania, he he's not he's not as dumb as other fascists. Now I think the Romanian type of fascism is uh, is not entirely without merit, and on it goes until uh, you have a full blown fascist. And for UNESCO, this was like a horror. It was a horror watching people he admired, liked, uh, go uh, through this transition from kind, reasonable people into fascists. Um, And so I thought, rhinoceros, what would the awful rise of the far right across Europe and elsewhere in the world, I thought it would be interesting to have a look at rhinoceros. So when I explained what rhinoceros was to Sarah, she went, yes, definitely, perfect. So I set about getting my hands on the play and writing an adaptation of the play to uh, fit the, um, the cast I had at my disposal. And that's what I did. I brought it down to about, I think, 70 minutes, 70, 80 minutes of theatre. We called it Rhino Redux, which was uh, just the most wonderful title. Um... I, um, this is all seat of the pants stuff. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time. I was brought in, I think, because Sarah uh, had somebody else lined up for this course, by the way. And I think if I remember correctly, I was brought in kind of uh, at the last minute. Or it might have been just Sarah 
added an extra one of these courses just to give me some work because that's the sort of generous person she is. But for whatever reason, I do remember it was kind of, um, or it might have been my fault, actually. Uh, things were a little bit rushed. And so, uh, but there was fun in that. Like the poster, um, I took a picture of a rhinoceros. Um, and I did the, uh, give it the Andy Warhol treatment. <laughs> this way, Bonnie. I gave it the Andy Warhol treatment. And Rhino Redux. And, uh, and I had a lot of fun uh, rewriting the play in a sort of a vernacular, an Irish vernacular. Uh, in my head, and I explained this to the cast, I had this set in a Ireland of the not-too-distant future. And we had a lot of fun with it. And one of the um, jokes that came up in my... Um, in my um, attempt at uh, adapting the play was I myself realised I didn't know what the plural for rhinoceros is. Is it rhinoceroses or is it rhinoceri? And uh, so that became part of the the joke within the play itself. Um, and by and large, it went well. I didn't uh, didn't have the greatest experience. Um, it wasn't an entirely peaceful experience staging it. Partly my fault. Um, the the writing the adaptation uh, took longer than I expected. Looking back on it, I should have known that would happen. And so um, it got uh, it got a little heightened towards uh, opening night because um, we were. Uh, like often with theatre um, we, 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 we just needed more time but we did it and we got it up in its feet and it was very good and I can say that because uh, I've, I've been making art long enough now that I can I'm getting better at better at, at um, being able to appraise my own work and I knew I was onto something and so excited uh, by 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 this adaptation, um, and with uh, Sarah's blessing, I decided to take it further. So my plan was to um, to go back and do a new adaptation, but this time from the original French version. So I wanted somebody to work with me to translate the original French, because, like I said, I I, I wonder if things aren't lost in translation sometimes when we're doing. Uh, UNESCO, another um, uh, uh, non-English writing uh, playwrights, and I wanted to. Uh, so that was the first thing I wanted to do: was to write a new adaptation, a draft, and then I wanted to get a small amount of money, either through an agility award or uh, from Galway City Council. Uh, not yet ready for a full-on Arts Council Project Award application, basically, and get a uh, a cast together for a rehearsed reading of maybe not the whole play, but of the the first few first first act, perhaps. And that was the plan, and I was excited. But not only that, I wanted to really delve into the idea of. Um, Of the near future setting. And I wanted... And I wasn't entirely sure how to do this. Though I had some hints on how I was going to do it. Uh, But I wanted to incorporate AI machine learning. In the... Both the creation of 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 the piece. And in the performance itself. I wanted to involve AI somehow in the piece. And partly, just as like learning how to make a podcast by doing a podcast, I wanted to learn how to involve AI in theatre by involving AI in theatre. But also I wanted to address one of the concerns I have with AI, and that is the proliferation of bogus information and uh, rumour and conjecture and all of these things online that uh, help fuel hate and and bigotry and uh, help fuel the far right, basically. Um, uh, 
so that was my plan but I didn't have a cent to my name and so I decided I was going to take my time and and get it right and that's the bit that's one of the things I'm nervous about talking out loud and sharing is the sense that um That I have a problem. And that's what I'm trying to address in ways with this podcast. I have a problem. And I thought I was over this problem. But I still seem to have it. That I want things to be perfect before I move on them. So I wanted everything lined up before I moved on it. I didn't want to. Even though the Abbey has a, uh, a mechanism where you can submit ideas. I didn't want to submit it, this idea to the Abbey until I had it in better shape. I didn't want to even uh, send an email to Paul Fahey at the Arts Festival to, to tell him what I was doing until I had it in a better shape and so on and so forth. And really, now if I'm to look at it cool, coolly, I didn't want to bring anyone else in. That's really the truth. I didn't want to bring anyone else in until I had it in better shape. I was making some efforts. I asked a friend of mine to meet me for a coffee. She's a very successful actor, an incredible actor. Possibly the actor of her generation, maybe, I don't know. Um, how I feel about such uh, titles, but yeah. And she's very generous, and I wanted to talk to her about it. Now, we haven't had a chance to get that coffee. Um, but, but I was really taking my time, because you got to remember, this whole thing started before lockdown. Now, lockdown didn't help, but my God, if there was one thing I could have been doing during lockdown, is I could have been writing the adaptation. I'd already started playing with language models. Uh, I was playing... I'm going to sound like a bit of a dickhead now, but I was playing with uh, ChatGPT before it was called ChatGPT. Um, and so I had everything there uh, at my disposal to get a crack at a draft, you know. But again, even with the, the language model, I was like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to go at working with, with a language model until I figure out how I can put, pay for a license from OpenAI and even though there are free models out there that are not as powerful they're free and I should have been well should is a is a load of word but I could have been working away on this anyway uh, I asked a friend who's a good and old friend who might be listening to this if he'd be interested he's, he's he lives in Paris He's a Mohillian, like myself. There's wind now and again. Put my, ba- uh, put my hand around the mic. Um, I asked him, Mohillian, old schoolmate who lives in Paris, French, French speaker, if he'd be interested in working on rhinoceros with me and help me translate the original French. Uh, um... Uh, script. Uh, he said he he would, but it would be maybe January or February before he would have the time to do that. And I said that's fine, and then I had this little moment of uh, clarity or, or whatever, and I realized, oh, I know what I can. One of the areas where I can involve AI in this, I can actually use AI to translate the original French script, and that's where I was. And that's where it had gotten to about a, a month, six weeks ago. But I hadn't moved on it. Partly because I am busy with other things, but also because I procrastinate. And I am very slow. Always have been very slow at doing what it is I set out to do. And in all this time, I was excited by Rhino Redux. I had the aesthetic taking shape in my head I could see it how it would look on stage I was debating on whether or not I'd even be in it or would I direct it or would I just write the adaptation with the AI and then hand it over to another director I was casting it in my head Um, and I was 
in touch with the Arts Council and finding out if there's another Agility Award going to happen or would I move on the Bursary Award application. But it was never far from my mind and I was playing with it in my imagination, which is good and proper and as it should be. And then Friday it came. So Friday, I'm I'm home alone with the boys. Uh, getting time to start getting to ready for bed. Actually, no, I'd already successfully gotten one of them to bed, and I was getting ready to get the other guy to bed. And I was thinking, partly spurred by the first episode of this pod that I did last week, about why I find it so hard to work, or fi- why I find it so hard to find people to work with in theatre. And one of the things that struck me was that I have a problem in that I don't pay enough attention to what other Irish theatre people are making. What other Irish theatre artists, and not just Irish, but what other theatre people are making in Ireland, Europe and elsewhere. I don't pay enough attention. And I'm not sure why that is. But I don't like overanalyzing why that is I think the solution sometimes is just to well try the thing that I'm not doing and see if I actually enjoy it the other reason why I was thinking like this was that I would have I nearly missed Dan Coley's Lost Lear only that Ionia said hey we should go check this out I like Dan and I like his work and I had seen some collapsing horse some of their stuff they'd done oh my god there's this, the sun low now over the water the turlock I wish you could see this <sighs> Bonnie's in the water again at least he can drink this water Bonnie not like when we go down to the sea anyway uh, collapsing horse I'd seen him so but I would have missed Lost Lear if I only hadn't mentioned it, and I'm so glad we went in and we saw it, and it was it was it was wonderful, inspiring. Um, yeah, I should talk about it another time. But what do you call him? Manus? Uh, is it Halligan? I think he's originally from Cavan. He is a special soul on stage. My God! And then the other guy was called, I think, Peter Daly, and that was a really, really beautiful performance from him but Venetia Bow and what a name that is Venetia Bow oh my god she blew me away anyway I don't know I think Lost Lear is still it's still touring the country so if you get a chance go see it Um. so all of these things were kind of going through my mind as I was sitting on the couch waiting for the eldest guy to finish with Minecraft and uh, uh, get a shake on and get to bed and I thought I'm going to have a look at what's going on in theatre in Ireland so I went to the Irish Times website and I opened up the theatre section <laughs> and lo and behold right there in front of me was a review for my play Rhino <laughs> I couldn't believe it I did a double and a triple take. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I couldn't believe what I was reading. So, and the pain of this has stopped me. And I I will get over this and I'll I'll move on. And I'm going to dig deep into this. But the pain of this has so far stopped me from reading too much about what I saw. But basically, some must be a genius... Some theatre maker in Belfast has done an adaptation of Rhinoceros and he called it Rhino. Decided to leave out the redux. (laughs) And my first instinct was, wow, okay, well, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's not like nobody's ever heard of Rhinoceros or UNESCO and it's not like we aren't all living in a world that is at times 
frightening, frighteningly tilting towards the far right. So I'm not surprised somebody else has decided to do rhinoceros. Uh, but, you know, I'm sure this person's vision is different to mine. And uh, this doesn't mean I, I can't continue with rhino redux. That's what went through my mind in the first two seconds of seeing this thing on the Irish Times website. And then I saw the picture. And I'm not joking. It was a picture of the staging of the play. I'm, I swear to God, it's like somebody reached in my head and took out the picture of my rhino play as I, uh, as I imagined it. And then I read a little bit on the blurb the pricey of the piece of what this guy and I'm gonna see if I can see it even though my heart has completely broken uh, it, 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 it from what I read in the pricey it looks like this guy has gone about an adaptation of rhinoceros exact, almost exactly as I had in mind myself it's it's set in a in a, in a not too distant future. There's uh, machine learning. He's looking at um, the gamification of society, uh, AI, <laughs> you name it. Um, so there you go. And my heart broke, and then I got really. And I still feel this, though today is Monday and I'm getting over it a bit. Then I got really, really pissed off with myself. And I was looking at it on the, on the and I haven't, still haven't read the review. No, I'm not a big fan of theatre reviews. So we'll get into that another time. But I... I got so annoyed with myself. And I looked at it and I thought, well, of course, of course this guy's done it. And this is the bit that I'm really nervous about saying out loud, sharing in public. But the voice in my head said, of course this guy did it. Because you were never going to do it, Rogers. You were going to fantasize about it, but you were never going to do it. What the fuck were you waiting for? So, and as I was sitting on the couch, my brain started firing off in lots of different directions. So I had that voice saying that. I was just, you know, disgusted with myself. And then I had another voice saying, hang on, don't panic. There was an awful lot in the, in the idea of Rhino Redux that is still of of um, merit and can still be used and then another voice was saying fuck it keep going go ahead there was there were there were two Truman Capote films that came out at the same time by pure came out of nowhere at the same time because two separate artists kind of had a similar idea at around the same time it happens so carry on, make Rhino Redux, don't stop. Uh, but that feels really stupid. And then there was another voice that said, thank God, thank God this guy's done it. Because now I don't have to do it. And I really don't want to uh, explore that voice too much because I'm worried about what he's got to say. Anyway. That was <laughs> five minutes of turmoil as I was sitting on the couch. And then the kid says, I'm ready to go to bed. And uh, I had to, you know, get my shit together and help him go to bed. But I wasn't very present with him. And, uh, and then I only came home and I had WhatsApped her while it was helping the kid get to sleep and she came home and she was very understanding this is the advantage of being married to another theatre person she got it and she was gutted for me um, 
she was brilliant because she allowed me just to be she didn't try to fix it she didn't say any of the things that all the voices were saying she was just letting me be bummed now this is this has happened to lots of artists it's never happened to me before and it's interesting in a way that for the first time in a long time I got excited about doing something that was script based and I wonder if that's part of it is that as I as I moved back towards a more um, traditional form of theatre, and not that there was going to be much traditional in the making of this, but, well, there would have been some, some traditions I hold on to, uh, because they're there for a reason. But anyway, then I moved back, I don't want to say to the centre or the mainstream, the centre actually, as I moved closer to the centre, I think it was inevitable that I would start coming up with ideas that, you know, other people would come up with. So it's not that surprising. It has happened to other artists in the past. It's never happened to me before. It's my turn for it to happen. But it has brought up a lot of questions. Why am I still working by myself? Why do I find it so hard to get other people to work with? Because that's hitting me. That has hit me all weekend and still hit me today. Because... For a couple of reasons. First off, if you're part of a group, then you share the 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 the, the, the victory and the the setbacks equally. And victories shared are all the sweeter, and setbacks shared are easily more easily uh, dealt with and, and, and gotten past. But so that is the first reason why I wish I had a team around me. But the other reason why I wish I had a team around me is that I work better with a team around me. And that if I had a team around me, when I first, or even one other collaborator, when I first came up with the idea of Rhino Redux, then there's a much better chance that I would have moved on it. And it wouldn't have just remained in my head. I'm thinking of a lot of things. I'm thinking of a, of a, of a moment. I think it's in uh, The Barracks, McGarren's, one of his early novels. It's either The Dark or The Barracks, where, and this is why one of many occasions, uh, many examples of, of, um, of the genius of McGarren. He is, his work is, rightly critical of the church in Ireland uh, in, the, in the 50s but there is a moment in yeah, I'm almost certain it's the barracks in the barracks where he gives a parish priest a moment where the priest gets it right and the priest is talking in the homily about comfort beware of comfort Beware of comfort. I'll go and look. I'll go and look for that bit from the book this week and see if we can dig into that a bit more. But that's the thing. When when I'm on my own, I am in the immediate. I am comfortable because there's no one to push me, and that's that's death to my art. That's what what this is teaching me. Um. So, so what do I do? How do I get a team of people to help me make art? And I remember talking to this, my good friend. I mean, this is a problem that's been on my mind for a while now. It came to a head, uh, really, when I did the last, the last, the last uh, theater piece I made. Um, which had to pivot into actually a film because of lockdown. It was called A Prelude to, a Prelude to the Stars in Winter. I was very happy with how it turned out, but the making of it nearly killed me. And Ionia took me aside and she says, you've got to stop. You're 10 years working by yourself now and you're just about getting away with it and it's stressing you out. And you're not fun to be around when you're making your work. And you 
always said you'd never be one of these tortured artists, but it's it's torture. I'm paraphrasing her now, but basically this is this is what she said to me, and she was right. So that's when I started really exploring why I work alone. It was never meant to be this way. You know, it's 11 years since I did my first solo show, Decision Problem. And I only did that by myself because, as I explained last week, I only had the funding for one person. But but I got comfortable being by myself. But now I realize it, it doesn't work. And so I started trying to figure out how to put a team around me, how to build an ensemble. And then my good friend Bob Kelly said, well, hang on a second, don't get ahead of yourself. You don't need to put a team together for an ensemble. You can't just make your own Moonfish Theatre overnight. He says, but see if you can get, you know, one or two people together for the next project. So that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. The problem is I have no idea how. I think I said last week, and it does feel this way, I feel like... I feel like... I'm going dating again. <laughs> I don't know how to how to start, and I'm mystified by people who who do. Um, I could make excuses about this, you know, like eh, the last seven years of my life have been full of other things. A lot of them joyous things, and other things that weren't joyous. So basically, I'm talking about becoming a dad, but also we had lockdown. And lockdown was particularly tough on theatre, as you can imagine. So I can I can look at these things, and here's an area where I don't want to overshare. But also, my wife and I were. Oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous saying this bit out loud for obvious reasons. We were building a house, and uh, I kind of became project manager of that. So. So there was a lot on. So in, in one regard, I could say, well, don't I, I shouldn't beat myself up that I haven't got my team together. But then, and I mentioned her earlier, and I'm bringing her up again, then I look at Russian Stack. And Russian Stack has become a mum recently. Um, I hope she won't mind me saying that, you know. But she's also made, and I didn't get a chance to see it yet, and boy, there you go. Why didn't I go? Why didn't I get off my ass and go see Russians play? So, you know, hmm, only thinking of that now, actually. But, um, uh, uh, she, 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 she makes this one woman show during lockdown and she brings it to the Dumbo Theatre Festival. And it's a hit. As far as I've heard, like I said, I don't pay any attention to uh, reviews, but on the grapevine, the word is that it's it's an excellent piece of work, and I am looking forward to seeing it, and I'm sure I will get to see it. But she did that, and like I said, she's a mum. She's got a kid of her own, a young kid, and I know from being a dad that mums. Kids ask more of their mums, especially when they're very young, than they do of their dads. I don't know if that's because the patriarchy has already infected them or if it's a natural uh, condition. So, and she didn't do it on her own, of course. She had a team, but she put that team together. So... I suppose what I'm tr- what I'm avoiding saying out loud is the question that's been running through my head since I saw this man's rhinoceros rhino in Belfast. Okay, let's let's show some respect now to to rhino in um oh no, I have this on airplane mode. I can't I can't look it up. Okay, I'll, 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 we'll give him a shout out next week. I'm going to find out. I'm going to make it my, my business to learn about and read about Rhino and actually see if I can go see Rhino. Uh, but anyway, the question, as the wind picks up, the question I've been avoiding saying out loud on this pod, as we've talked here now for 55 minutes, is 
Oh, it's really... I hate saying this out loud. Basically, five words. What is wrong with me? What is wrong with me? Why do I struggle to find people to collaborate with? And I know some of the answer. I know I'm not easy to work with. I know I can be wonderful to work with, but I can also be sullen and impatient. And sometimes I'm really organized and I'm on it, and sometimes I'm the opposite. But (laughs) I have met other people who are just as bad as me in those areas, and yet they are surrounded by people who love to work with them and come back and work with them time and time again. So what is it I'm missing? Ah, Michal, thank you. See, I think this pod is starting to help already. What is wrong with me? Just saying it out loud to whoever's listening has helped me realize that there's a problem with that question. First off, that question is loaded. And I know if a friend or loved one were to say that, or if somebody else were to say that of, of a loved one, what's wrong with that person? I'd say, hang on, what makes you so certain? There's anything wrong with them. Be careful with that word wrong. So that's the first thing. But the other thing is, is I step up here on the exposed limestone here at the Turlock, which will just show you that this part of Galway we live in is really the barren with a little bit of topsoil on it. Uh, that the only way I can answer that question is by trying to keep going. What am I trying to say? The only way I can answer that question is to strive to understand what it is that I want and see how do I go about getting it. Because maybe I'm confused. Maybe I've confused myself. Like, look at that question. Why don't I pay more attention to to other people's theatre work? Why didn't I go see Roshan's play? You know, maybe, maybe I have tricked myself into thinking I want something that I don't actually want. Now, this is all getting a bit heady, and I don't actually like that. The only way to know whether something works is to try it. So I want to try and get some people around me. And because and, 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 and that's happening this week, because there is the other thing is that there's the other project that's a very strong idea, and I, I'm still heartbroken about Rhino because all weekend I've still found myself thinking of of oh I could do that with Rhino and then I remember oh no Rhino's dead Rhino is finished but there is another strong idea the people versus climate change which I mentioned last week and that is slowly starting to take shape and it has its first moment I really uh, of collaboration happening on Thursday in the Fringe Lab where my old friend and colleague and collaborator Zeta and I are working with Anric on learning how to run a world building workshop so maybe that's all the only way I can answer what's wrong with me is to just keep going and uh, feel the the disappointment of um Rhino Redux is passing for now and um, belt away anyway. Um, Yeah. Yeah, maybe that's enough for now. Okay. birds are coming in and settling into the trees and some of them are coming down onto the water the sun will be down it's 7 after 4pm now the sun will be down soon so I'm not quite sure where the dog is 
but it's time to go home and put on the spuds. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.